Welcome to Rising Stars, where Miriam Knight, publisher of New Consciousness Review, interviews exciting new voices in the world of progressive and transformational books, films, and ideas who offer intriguing perspectives on life, the universe, and everything in between. Join us as we celebrate the conscious awakening and explore many expressions of consciousness in action. everyone. This is Miriam Knight, and our guest is Leslie Shore. And Leslie is an expert in the surprisingly exhilarating power of listening. She's the owner of the consultancy called Listen to Succeed. And Leslie has worked with corporations, nonprofits, entrepreneurs, health professionals, and educational institutions to up-level their intrapersonal and interpersonal communication skills. She's now poured this all into her book, Listen to Succeed, How to Identify and Overcome Barriers to Effective Listening, which actually is currently used in four universities. God knows we need to upgrade our listening skills, so I'm delighted to have you with us, Leslie, and I'm sorry for the rough start. <laughs> well, you know what they say in the business, rough start, excellent ending. Absolutely. So, you know, we'll just cover one question, which is what actually drew you to the field of listening? I was so lucky, Miriam, to have a grandmother who was an amazingly effective listener and in whose presence people would, their self-esteem, their body language, everything would change when she was there. Their whole demeanor would change. And it was because how she listened to them. And I was also lucky to have a pair of parents who modeled that same type of behavior. Mm -hmm. And that is why I did my master's work uh, in listening specifically within communication. Now, I'm going to ask you to move your uh, microphone just a little bit uh, away because you seem to be brushing something against it. Okay, I think we're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, you know... People tend to equate listening and hearing as the same thing, but there's actually a very big difference. How do you distinguish between them? Hearing is all physiology, and it is just taking in the sound. Listening is processing that sound through the entire brain in the sense of your history, your experience, and your emotions. So it really is processing. And that is why it is an actual skill that you can enhance. Mm -hmm. it was certainly, from reading your book, I was astonished at the very myriad of barriers that we have to listening. And I have to say, I, I recognized myself in many of them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some of them I have tried to improve over the years. But there is a lot of food for thought in this book. Um, how did you actually develop your techniques? Is it something you can actually learn? Oh, it absolutely is something that we can learn. And in our next uh, segment, I think we should be able to really dig deeply into that. <laughs> Very good. As you can hear, we are about to go to station break. And we're speaking with Leslie Shore, the author of Listen to Succeed. Be right back. 
Feed your soul with waves of consciousness on Om Times Radio. The cutting edge of conscious radio. Om Times Radio. IOM FM. Our guest is Leslie Shore, author of Listen to Succeed. Leslie, uh, you were just saying that the skills of listening can be learned. How do you go about that? Well, as they say uh, to musicians, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. That is exactly what happens in listening. And there are two There are four basic keys to effective listening that you can practice, and then there's also making sure that you know what your specific barriers to effective listening are. But let's talk about the, the, the four keys, and the one I think that is the most important is being present. And as your listeners know, being present is, are you there? 100% for the person with whom you're talking. Is your ego out of the way? Can you take things in without judgment? And those are three really big questions that actually do take a lot of practice to get good at. Absolutely. And um, I, I understand the relevance of this, say, in the business place, but they're just as important in actually listening to your close relationships, to your child, your spouse, your parents, um, really understanding what it is they're saying instead of reacting. Absolutely, and, and I, you're making a great point. Uh, this listening skill is for every part of your life. And one of the things that I talk about when I have people saying, why doesn't my teenager listen to me? The issue started way back when all of a sudden, instead of being on their level when they're four or five years old and listening intently to everything that they were saying because it was cute and they were growing and that type of thing, somewhere along the way, um, that special time where the debriefing could take place, one-to-one, no distractions, not cooking, not going through the mail or checking the cell phone, that disappeared. And the being present at 110% disappeared at the same time. And that being present is truly the key in every single relationship you have when it comes to communication. You mentioned the cell phone, and it brought to mind the whole uh, reference that you have throughout the book to multitasking. Yes. We all think that we have to be productive. We have to be doing so many things at once, and of course I can multitask. Um, but it, you, you, you called something, what was it, the inbuilt, inbuilt something... Um, at birth barrier, that's it. The yes, barrier. yes. And it's something that we really think we can do. And it's so invisible to us that we really can't multitask well. And by that I mean when we're doing two cognitive things at the same time. 
we can't do either well. If I'm talking to you and I am on my keyboard, my brain is literally split in two and productivity goes down the tubes. I'm not doing either well. And therefore, if you think you're being productive, you're actually doing the opposite. And when it comes to listening to a person, if you are, quote unquote, multitasking, you really are not listening at your highest level. Mm. And how many people always have one ear cocked for their (laughs) cell phone? <laughs> and, and it's funny that you say that because I literally, when I get together with my friends, we shut our cell phones off. <laughs> and that really helps because I, I feel it's so sad when I see people in restaurants, two people sitting at a table, you know they're related, you know they're significant others, and they're both on their cell phones. And that beautiful thing that can happen, we have a chance to be with each other in a nice situation, is completely gone. And that ability to listen deeply to each other has been uh, stopped by that lovely little cell phone that gets in the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, let's talk about some of the barriers, because uh, these really impressed me so much as being, as, as you see them everywhere, you experience them everywhere, particularly at this season of uh, political campaigning. It's so true. It seems to come to the forefront every time I watch television. And I'm saying to myself, ooh, I wish they would read my book. (laughs) (laughs) Because what I see, especially uh, when, when they're doing, when you've got five or six people up on the stage and the moderator asks a question, the answer that come comes back. It doesn't make sense in light of the question or the follow-up question. And I think that a lot of people, whether it's politics or something else, when someone asks you a question and you don't answer the question, it means that all you want to do is put out your own thing. And you are not truly listening to the person who is asking the question or the follow-up. And, and that comes off as insincere. And in this current political climate, we're seeing a lot of that. It doesn't just come off as insincere. It is insincere. <laughs> I mean, it, it shows a very fundamental lack of respect for the other person. And you think that your position, your platform, is the only valid one and you will trample anything and everything, including the truth, in order to get that across. I think you make an excellent point, and that is the case whether it's on, in the political arena or whether it's in the boardroom or in a meeting, and, and you, your comment about respect is huge. People feel respected when they are truly listened to, that they know that they're being listened to. They feel valued. Their self-esteem actually rises and their blood pressure goes down. And that's really where you would like to be. Um, But most people just have a feeling because of the way Americans generally culturally deal with communication is that 
power belongs to the speaker and not the listener. The truth is the opposite because you don't learn if you don't listen. When you're speaking, you can't learn. It's not only that, you can, a speaker can speak all they want, but if the listener does not absorb what they're saying, they might as well be speaking to a blank wall. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if the speaker is not li- listening for cues from the listener, body language, head bobbing, uh, something that tells them that they're on track, then they're not doing a good job listening to their listener. It gets very deep. <laughs> I thought that your, your discussion of body language was very interesting. I mean, you were saying that um, if you don't pay attention to body language, then um, you're, you're actually um, not uh, using all of the tools that you can to actually make your point. Correct. And part of the whole body language arena is knowing what your own body language is showing. Because if you say one thing and your body language shows another, people will always believe the body language because the body doesn't lie. Mm. As the speaker, if you are looking at your listeners, you can see when a word you've used has hit a blank wall. Everybody's eyes glaze over, and you can see them go inside their head trying to figure out what does that word mean. And while they're trying to figure it out, they're not listening. But you as the speaker can look and see that actually happen in people's eyes. And so I always suggest to speakers, one of the reasons you want to have eye contact with your audience is to see whether something that you've said isn't making sense. Is it a particular nomenclature to your particular business? Or is it a metaphor that you use all the time, but someone else may not get? It's hugely important to watch that body language. I experience that from time to time because I use a British phrase that totally goes over other people's heads. (laughs) Total blank stare. (laughs) What phrase might that be, Miriam? (laughs) Multiple phrases, you know. Ah. (laughs) Two, Two nations divided by a common language. There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the words that I use to bring this about is something called transmogrification. And when I use that word, people go, what is that? And I explain to them that I could keep on talking about something else, but until I tell you what that word is, you're not listening. You're trying to figure it out in context. Mm-hmm. Trans- transmogrification is uh, transforming in a negative way, like Kafka's metamorphosis going from a man to a cockroach. But it's a great way of explaining uh, what what happens when people use a word or a metaphor that people don't understand and what goes on in processing that in the brain. So what you're talking about is losing the attention of the listener um, by uh, using either language or, or uh, vocabulary that they don't understand. But another barrier that you mentioned really struck home with me. You were talking about judging the speaker. And when you prejudge the speaker, it keeps you from actually listening to what they're saying. 
And I think that is so much at play in the current political climate, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Um, I call it, to me, it's like a, a film of judgment coming over every word that's coming towards you from that speaker. It doesn't have even a chance of landing in you cleanly without a film all over it. And that judgment, you are judging them based on who they are, not what it is that they are saying. Mm. And it is very true in politics. It is true when you are in business in terms of how people have shown themselves to be. It's even true when someone who's an adult looks at a kid and says, oh, that person is going to have nothing that is going to be important to this conversation. And then that child blows you away with a pearl of wisdom. And if you can't be open to hear it, if you can't get that judgment out of the way, you're not going to get everything you possibly can. Mm. Right. Now, um, you also have some really great exercises in the book. So I want to cover those when we come back from this break. We are speaking with Leslie Shore. Listen to succeed. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Bringing a more conscious lifestyle to your world. Ohm Times Radio. IOM FM. Being a radio host on IOM FM allows you to build your show on a rich platform with the power of the internet to fulfill your outreach goals and connect with a very specialized and global online audience, unlimited by time and distance. Ohm Times Radio will provide you with web relevance, a recognizable conscious brand, and with the standard of excellence that has accompanied every single Ohm Times endeavor. Host your show with Ohm Times Radio Network. Your conscious lifestyle on steroids. Ohm Times Radio. IOM FM. Speaking with Leslie Shore. Leslie, uh, we were talking about the barriers to listening, and you describe eight major barriers to effective listening. Can you give us kind of an overview? Sure. Uh, The judging and weighing barrier, which we were just talking about, is generally speaking, you are judging what is coming in at you, what you are listening to, based on the person or what you think about the person that is saying those words. And as we talked about before, that, that can close your mind and heart to what is coming in. Then there's power and control barriers. This really is about you will do anything to get the floor back. You want to be the speaker so much that you will interrupt, that you will uh, spar with the person. You feel very uncomfortable not being in the speaking role. The third one is emotional and historical trigger barriers. And this is, this is a pretty big one because one of the exercises, you said something about exercises as we went into break about the fact that we all have words and we all have subjects that make us stop our listening that make us see red, that make us sad, that make us feel in a particular way where our listening actually stops. And we can go back to uh, 
uh, an exercise that we do there. But this is a big one for people to work with inside of the book to do to do the exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's performance anxiety, and this is really simple. Um, and I know everyone has done this. Uh, you have to introduce yourself around the room. You know what your name is. You know what you do. But you're rehearsing it while everybody else is talking. And, of course, you have no idea who anybody else is because your performance anxiety has taken over. Or you're about to have to speak next in a, in a uh, presentation. And you're mulling everything in your mind. And, boy, it really does get in, get in the way of listening to what the person uh, ahead of you is actually saying. Then there's hit or miss barriers. And that is sometimes you just don't have... There are two things. You don't have the energy to listen fully. Or you might be a person who listens only for facts or only for emotions, or only for something to disagree with, so that you can kind of spar with that person and show how intelligent you are. Then there's the language barrier, and that is kind of opposite what most people think. And that is that you may have a great vocabulary. You may be extremely well-read and understand a lot of metaphors. But when you come up against a word or a metaphor that you don't understand, instead of asking for clarification, you go inside your head trying to figure it out in context of what the person has said. And when you do that, you actually are not listening to the, to the, the person who is speaking. And by the way, teachers do that. This is their, um, their highest barrier because they feel that they should know it. And so they are a little bit ashamed of kind of raising their hand and asking for clarification or a reframe. Well, I would imagine that this is also a barrier, say, in in a corporate world where the person feels that he should know the answer. You know, it's not necessarily vocabulary related, but idea related. Yes. And one of the things that I have found out about this, Miriam, is that... You become the hero in the room when you ask for clarification. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you say, could you rephrase that? I'm not sure I got it in the context you gave. Mm-hmm. And, and what that does, and this is an important point, is that you honor the speaker by asking for clarification. You care enough to be asking for clarification they get to be able to clarify, and they also learn something about a word or a phrase or a way in which they're saying something that will be beneficial to them later on. So actually, you're a hero to the people in the room and the speaker. Very cool. And then the last one is lack of focus. And in today's world, we talked about cell phones. Uh, We could be in the Mall of America. You could have kids running in and out. You could have the television on. You may have so much on your plate, you simply cannot focus. And that's what that lack of focus barrier is. Would you think that um, improving your skills as a listener would also improve your skills as a speaker? Absolutely. Because 
as a speaker, one of the uh, most important things to you is to be able to get across what you want to get across, number one, if you are doing what I call the outbound lecture type um, speaking. If you are in a conversation, in a meeting, if you are listening effectively, your responses really are rich, are on point, are intelligent, and show everybody in the room just how deeply and sincerely you are listening. It absolutely makes you a more effective speaker. Mm. Now, I understand, Leslie, that you have on your website a quiz that can help people determine their own type of barriers. Yes, and it's completely different from those 25 question uh, quizzes that you that you get free <laughs> because they tell you whether you're a good listener or a bad listener. And I don't believe anyone is a good or a bad listener. You are the listener you are because of your family dynamics and your history up until this point. And because listening is a skill, it can be Um, enhanced and you can become much more effective. And so my uh, listening, uh, listening enhancement profile, listening effectiveness profile on my website, listentosucceed.com, and that's all spelled out, um, it allows you to work through a set of statements that actually pinpoint which of the eight major barriers is the one that is giving you your the most problems? And I usually tell people, work on the top two. And it works hand in hand with the book Listen to Succeed because the book goes through what is the barrier, how do you know it is up for you, and what can you do about it? And so for your listeners and your listeners only, uh, I am doing a uh, $10 off coupon code so that when they go to listentosucceed.com and they click on tools, when they go to buy the listening effectiveness profile, when they put in the code NCR and then the number 16, uh, Nancy Charlie Radio 16, <laughs> or New Consciousness Radio <laughs> 16, NCR 16, They, uh, when they redeem it, they will be able to get uh, $10 off the normal $15 price. And this is good all the way through the end of the year for your listeners. Does it matter if it's uppercase or lowercase? Uh, no, doesn't make a difference at all. Okay, so... Uh, if you go to listen to succeed.com and get the, and it's called, um, what, what, what's it called? It's called the listening effectiveness profile. And when you click on tools, it will be the very first thing that comes up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very nice. Thank you very much. Well, that on is behalf my of pleasure. my listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, one of the things um, that you described um, uh, as a, a, a practice is something called reversal. I, I'd like you to share that with our listeners. Well, when we talk about um, uh, 
when we talk about how people converse, and in this political situation, it is, it, it, it's very, very timely, that we sometimes have problems with uh, being able to listen to someone talk about a particular subject because it, it comes up as something negative in us or we have very, very differing opinions. And just like the old... Um, debaters, when you have to take the opposite side, what happens is when you take the opposite side of a, of a quote-unquote argument or an issue, it gives you a new understanding, a new compassion, uh, a new way of listening because, oh my gosh, there's some stuff that I hadn't even thought of and now that I'm arguing the opposite side, I need to keep my ears, eyes, and heart open for what that other person is saying to me now because I understand that there's something richer and deeper and there's something for me in what that person is saying even though at first glance or at first listen, I may not agree with them. That also helps open up your heart. It also helps you uh, work to be present. There are uh, sayings in many wisdom traditions about not judging another person until you have walked in their shoes or in their moccasins. Yes, yes. And it, but it's so difficult, Miriam. We are human, and we are wired to uh, judge a person coming towards us if they're eight feet tall and 350 pounds, we may decide that we're a little afraid. And that is a survival thing. When it come, that, but that also still exists in every part of uh, our brain. So when we're talking about listening and, and, and the whole judging area, one of the things that we just have to understand is be aware that you are judging. You are at choice to say, ah, I'm in a judgment mode. I'm pushing it aside. I'm opening up my heart. Heart opening. That's a big thing. Great. Well, we will be back shortly with our last segment of Listen to Succeed with Leslie Shore. Free your mind with Ohm Times Radio, IOM FM. As difficult as it is to believe, there are places in Africa where human traffickers sell albino children and their body parts for use in magic rituals. Humanity Healing International is actively working in Uganda to change this paradigm. The Albino Rescue Project finds albino children who are at risk and places them in safe schools and environments where they can learn and grow free from fear. To learn more or to sponsor a child, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Conscious Media for Conscious Minds. Ohm Times. I'm Miriam Knight. Leslie, I was reminded of the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, and they have so much overlap with what you say. Uh, and of course, the fifth agreement, which I'll get to in a moment. So the first four agreements were don't make assumptions, uh, don't take things personally, be impeccable with your word and do your best. And then the fifth assumption was listen. 
perhaps be skeptical, but listen. And it was such an important um, uh, precept that Don Miguel um, felt compelled to write a whole book about it. And it's, I asked him when I interviewed him about the book, why didn't he add this fifth agreement to the first four? And he said the time was not yet ripe. Mm. <laughs> I, 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 the chuckle is, I, I totally get where he is coming from, and I do love the book. Um, we are now at a point, the pendulum is swinging back towards the need for listening. Even our millennials at this point are learning how to shut off their cell phones, are beginning to sit down with each other and not um, uh, do this wonderful texting back and forth. They are beginning to understand that there is something magical in listening. And I think the pendulum is swinging back to that. I do uh, agree. I, in fact, we, we spoke about that very point in my uh, interview last week. So um, I'm, I'm curious, in your work as a consultant, mm -hmm. how have you found the results or, or of your work or the, the efforts of your work been received, say, at the corporate level? Where, give us some examples Certainly. Um, there are a couple of early examples was I was working with a nonprofit where they have uh, counselors uh, who handle domestic abuse victims. And um, when they took the assessment and they had read the book, it was so interesting. One of them said, I don't like how the assessment came out, but it's absolutely right on. <laughs> And that, first of all, it was wonderful that she was so audience, uh, so honest. But what it also said, and I found out as I continued to work with them and even uh, years later, find out that they have a shared vocabulary around listening, which calls them continuously to improve, and they help each other do that. I've also worked with um, some corporations that really were having contentious, um, uh, not successful meetings. And when I came in and I said, you don't need to know how to run a meeting. You need to understand what listening is all about. And so when I worked with them on that, that same shared vocabulary and that skill that they had never really been taught has allowed that company to actually have meetings that people enjoy going to. Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that, yes. <laughs> well, it, it gets down to, I think, something you might have mentioned earlier, which is this sense of comfort when you know that you have been heard. When you, and, and being heard is the equivalent, as we said before, of being respected. And that is so lacking. It's lacking in our political discourse. It's lacking even among parents and children mm -hmm. uh, and, and among peers. 
I totally agree with you. And one of the things that uh, a, a favorite, favorite quote of mine is listening is a magnetic and strange thing, a creative force. The friends who listen to us are the ones we move toward. When we are listened to, it creates us, makes us unfold and expand. And that really speaks to what you do on, on your show, which is grow and evolve into all you deserve to be. So they go hand in hand. That's beautiful. Beautifully said. Thanks. <laughs> it was really, it was really Carl Manager, but, <laughs> but I, I I agree with you so wholeheartedly. Someone said to me, "Well, where are you going to market this book?" And I said, "Well, everybody needs it, but I know that I can't, uh, uh, you know, do it all at, at the same time. But every doctor needs it. Every parent needs it. Every." teacher needs it. Um, it's so interesting that uh, I did a session with Minnesota Public Radio a few years ago, and one of the uh, interviewers, six months later, when I did another session actually on having good meetings, he came up to me and he said, since the time that you taught us about listening, I've become a better interviewer. And that really kind of hit home for me that someone who does this as a living could actually see the value uh, of, of the approach that I was taking, that it's not about active listening. It's about making sure that with your barriers to effective listening out of the way and your choice to do that, then you can be present. Then you can be the kind of listener you wish everybody could be for you. You know, that hits so close to home because when I started my radio show six years ago, I didn't know what I was doing and I would script the whole, sh all the questions out. And then if they asked a question that was <laughs> <laughs> off the script, it absolutely threw me for a loop. And eventually I, I discovered that if you just listen really, really intently, it's yes. so much easier on the nerves. <laughs> yes, it lowers the blood pressure. It's, it's funny, it happens for the speaker and it happens for the listener. It lowers your blood pressure. Because you know, uh, to those, those, what you were talking about before, uh, do your best. And when you are doing your best as a listener, magic happens. And you can really connect person to person. Because yes. if, you, if you have this script or this agenda... Uh -huh. between you, you can never bridge that gap. It's always about you and them, but never about us and how we can work and collaborate together. Yes, and that's that. Uh, another, uh, uh, what you just said is perfect. It's another film over your listening if you've got that agenda. That's why it's so critical that being present, being 100% there and having your ego out of the way, that is key to making that beautiful relationship that you spoke of actually happen and happen all the time. Yeah. And at every level of, of interaction. Yes. Um, th this is a book that can help 
Absolutely anyone. I, un uh, I understand it's being used in uh, universities as a textbook. Uh, yes, some, some of them are an introduction to communication. One is in uh, uh, philanthropic communication, and it just got added to um, a parent coaching certificate uh, course, and they are eating it up. <laughs> I'm not surprised. So this book is called Listen to Succeed, and uh, the website is listentosucceed.com. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Make it simple. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, Leslie has very kindly offered a uh, benefit for our listeners of a $10 off coupon if you want to find out what your own listening barriers are. She has an, a, uh, an online assessment tool um, that would only cost you five bucks. And what, what would people actually benefit from that? Because they will know what, what are the two most, uh, the barriers that are getting in the way for them the most. It will increase their awareness about when those barriers are up and sometimes just knowing that this particular barrier is, is getting in the way, they now are at choice just to say, I'll deal with the barrier later, I have to get back to really effectively listening. So sometimes just being at choice because you're aware that something is in the way, you can work with the symptom later, but you know that you can push it aside in the moment. I want to give our listeners one quick tip that you offered in your book that I think is brilliant. Okay. Namely, to carry a little notebook around with you. Yes. So that if you're listening to someone and you really, really, really want to interrupt them because you have to tell them something, make a note of it. And then don't say anything, listen to the end, and then bring up your point. Because we, we, often it goes, you know, just, just past and we know we'll forget it. But if you write it down, you won't forget it and you can be a good listener at the same time. You got it. Just a few words that will remind you of what you want to say is all you need. I thought that was brilliant. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, thank you so much for being with us today, Leslie, and I'm sorry we had a rough start, but um, as you say, um, I think we, we caught up. <laughs> I think so, too, and I just want to give you one last thing. Yes. Cour courage is what it takes up to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes down to sit down and listen. Winston Churchill. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> Thank you, Leslie Shore, Listen to Succeed. And I'm Miriam Knight of New Consciousness Review. You can visit our website at ncreview.com. And I hope you will join us next week. Bye for now. Many blessings. <laughs>